Hey Future Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. And I'm Andy. And we are the hosts of Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Each week, we'll dive into some of the most unnerving crimes that this unnatural world has to offer. Listen for Unnatural on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Dee Dee West, and this is Broken Limelight. I'm sorry for taking such a long break, you guys. I've just had a lot of real life happening to me. Uh, another thing is if I can be quite frank and real about ADHD in adults, um, I have this little problem with object permanence where, like, honest to God, I kind of forget that I have an audience and that anybody's actually out there listening until you guys interact with me. So, like... One of these days, somebody commented on one of our posts on Facebook saying, hey, when are you going to put out a new episode? And I was just like, oh, my God, there's actually people out there waiting for me to put one out. So (laughs) honestly, I appreciate you guys for calling me out like that. Sometimes it's hard to believe that, like, there are so many of you guys out there. And, like, speaking of which, I don't know if you guys saw our stats that I just posted on Facebook. Broken Limelight is now being listened to in over 65 countries. In the year 2022, it was in the top 10% most shared globally. I'm just like, like, wow. So I guess that means that there's like people all over the world listening to me admit how I literally forgot about my audience, but (laughs) I'm just trying to be honest, you guys. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about Chilino Sanchez. Chilino Sanchez was a Mexican songwriter. He was known for narco corridos, which are like drug ballads. Now, there is an infamous video clip of Chilino performing at a concert and somebody passing him a note, which is now believed to have been a death threat. It's said that Chilino had ties to the cartel and what kind of ties are debatable, but his songs told true stories of narcos, drug lords, gangsters, and all kinds of outlaws. So in one way or another, he was for sure connected to people in this kind of lifestyle. Chilino was at the peak of his career on the night of the concert when somebody passed him this threatening note, and it's not exactly known what was actually written on the piece of paper, but whatever was on it, it wiped the smile off of Chilino's face as he read it. If you watch the clip of this moment, he looks scared. He looks like something really just freaked him the fuck out, and he wipes the sweat off his brow, and he takes a moment before he continues the concert. So let me tell you all about Chilino's life and his upbringing and the kind of life that he was involved in and all the possible enemies that he kind of made along the way. This case is actually considered unsolved. All we have to go off of is word of mouth, but supposedly it is still being investigated. Chilino was born Rosalino Sanchez Felix on August 30th, 1960 on a small ranch in Sinaloa, Mexico called Las Flechas. He was the youngest of seven children. 
He had one sister, the rest were brothers. His siblings remember him as a curious and mischievous child who always dreamt of being a singer. The state of Sinaloa is along the northern border of Mexico, and for that reason, it's known for being dominated by cartel activity. This is also the reason that a lot of the stories about Chilino can't be verified. Almost all the information that's out there is from word of mouth, and because he and so many people who surrounded him were involved in criminal activity, the most important details have been kept a secret. It's really similar to the case of Tupac Shakur and the street code that prevented gangsters from speaking to the police. With that said, drug and gang activity was everywhere, and if you weren't involved yourself, you likely had friends or relatives who were. Whether or not Chilino was involved in drug trafficking isn't known for sure, but it's very likely. I'm pretty sure that it's just like an unspoken thing that people are saying maybe, but like, no, he definitely was. That's my opinion. I mean, it seems like when you look at the people that surrounded him, I don't see how he wasn't involved. But anyway, officially, we're not, we're saying maybe he was involved. When Chilino was a teenager, he was involved in a shooting with a group of grown men. The story goes that when he was a child, his sister Juana was kidnapped and raped by a guy named Juan Quiros, who was connected to the drug cartel. Chilino was about 11 years old when this happened, so he decided right away that once he was man enough, he was going to get revenge. He was going to get a gun and take this guy down. But the guy, Juan Quiros, skipped town. Now, he had a buddy who stayed in town and was going around talking a lot of shit saying degrading things about Juana and also admitting to having helped in the attack. So his name was Hector Chapo Perez, and he's not the infamous El Chapo, different guy. But yeah, he was going around town talking about how, how he had participated in this attack, and he was saying that she was bad in bed and in the kitchen. So when Chilino was about 15 or 16 years old, he was given a gun. A few days later, he followed Chapo to a party, and he tried to blend in. He spotted him from across the room and he was surrounded by his entourage, but they were all off guard. Like they were, they were heavily armed, but they were eating and they were drinking and they were laughing. They were not prepared for what was about to happen. Without saying a word, Chilino walked up to Chapo and shot him three times point blank, killing him instantly. Chaos ensued and everyone started screaming and Chapo's men were drunk and confused. So Chilino was able to escape without a single scratch. There are several accounts that confirm this story. However, the Sanchez family denies that any kidnapping or assault ever happened. They do, however, admit that Chilino got into a fight to, quote, defend his family's honor. After this, Chilino went into hiding. He went and hid in the mountains for two weeks. Years later, he would tell his buddy um, and his bandmate, Nacho Hernandez, that the quickest escape he found was through a marijuana field. He would later detail this incident in one of his songs about himself that he called Rosalino Sanchez. Likely to avoid someone coming after him in revenge, Chilino fled to the United States around 1977. He went to live with his aunt in the Los Angeles area, and he worked on farms, but eventually became a, a coyote, helping people cross the border illegally. His brother Armando also went with him, and the two of them did odd jobs and small-time crimes. And during this time, Chilino was wild and unpredictable. I mean, at this point, he was only like 18, 19, 20, and... He liked to party, he liked drugs, he liked to drink, he liked his guns, and he loved music. And aside from smuggling people, it's said that he was also smuggling drugs around this point. While in California, Chilino did a stint as a delivery driver for a restaurant owner named Rigoberto Campos. Rigoberto Campos was a known narco who was obsessed with American Mafia movies. He was ambidextrous, meaning he was deadly with a gun in either hand. 
up until his rival chopped off his arms with a thresher, which is like, it's like a paper shredder for trees. Shockingly, Rigoberto survived this and got prosthetic arms and was said to have been just as deadly as ever. And by the way, this is the main reason that I'm like, obviously, Chilino was involved with drug trafficking, was because Rigoberto is a restaurant owner, and he's also a narco, and Chilino's his delivery driver. So during the 80s, Rigoberto spent some time in prison for drug trafficking. There, he met a woman named Elizabeth Brenner, who was volunteering and offering the prisoner salvation. Years later, the pair had fallen in love, and Rigoberto was working as a restaurant owner while at war with the narcos who took his arms. The rumors say that Elizabeth one day ran into Rigoberto's office with tears in her eyes, hair a mess, and her clothing torn, and she was saying that Chilino tried to kiss her and put his hands all over her. So then Chilino ran into the room denying the whole thing, like, that's not true, she's lying. But then Rigoberto adjusted his prosthetic arm to pick up his pistol, and then Chilino ran. Chilino would later write a song about Rigoberto, and in the song it actually sounds like he really admired and looked up to him. Some people believe that Rigoberto might have been the one to orchestrate Chilino's death in 1992, but most agree that this is all just a rumor. Rigoberto would be killed in 1991 in a cartel-related shooting. In the early 80s, Chilino's cousin introduced him to a woman named Maricela Vallejos, who would become his wife in 1984. They would go on to have two children together, a son named Adan and a daughter named Cynthia. Also in 1984, Chilino's brother Armando was shot and killed in a hotel in Tijuana. It's rumored that it was a drug deal gone wrong. Around this same time, Chilino would end up in a Tijuana prison for various petty crimes. His brother's death inspired Chilino to write his first corrido, Recordando Armando Sanchez, and at La Mesa prison, he continued to develop his talent for writing narco corridos. And at La Mesa prison, he continued to develop his talent for writing songs. He got the attention of fellow inmates, and he started telling their stories in his songs. And pretty soon, Chilino had his own little business where people would offer him money and guns and jewelry in exchange for their own song. In 1989, Chilino recorded his first cassette of 15 songs, and he sold them outside of the trunk of his car. He also tried to sell them at local businesses like bakeries across South Central Los Angeles and swap meets, and he started becoming pretty popular on like an underground level. He connected with another Mexican immigrant named Pedro Rivera, who had set up a small recording studio in Long Beach, which allowed aspiring musicians to record at a low cost. Chilino and Rivera would end up like pioneering these songs that mythologized drug smugglers, murderers, or valientes, which were like tough guys or outlaws. And when I say pioneered, Chilino was not the first person to write narco corridos, but he was kind of the one to bring it to a mainstream level. So therefore, he was known as the king of narco corridos. So Chilino actually tried to hire other singers to record his music for him, but they just didn't get the right feel. They weren't singing it with the right feeling of the narco corridos. So eventually he got tired of it and he just sang the songs himself. And some people weren't a fan of it because his voice was kind of scratchy and a little off key. But as he always said, he liked to say, I don't sing, I bark, but the people like it. And it was true. He had his own style and he sang his songs in his own cadence and Sinaloan slang, which was something that no big singer had ever tried to do. So he connected with other Sinaloans on a very personal level. Through pure word of mouth, Chileno's audience grew and promoters quickly sought to book him at their clubs. By 1992, Chilino was performing with a band called Los Amables del Norte. 
They had a concert at a dance hall in Coachella, California, where there were about 400 people in the audience, including some asshole named Eduardo Gallegos. I say asshole because this guy was drunk as fuck and he just would not shut the fuck up about a particular song he wanted the band to play. He was shouting to the band to play the song Gallo de Sinaloa, but Chilino kept choosing to play other songs instead. I don't know if he was ignoring him or he just didn't hear him or he had other plans or what. Maybe he just wasn't taking requests at this point. So Eduardo wouldn't shut up and he was getting on Chilino's nerves. So finally, after like 20 minutes, Chilino tells the pissed off fan that he's going to go ahead and sing the song he requested. The band gets ready to play it and Chilino suddenly changes his mind and just went with a different song. Eduardo was pissed, so he hopped up on the stage shouting and pointing a gun at Chilino. Chilino quickly pulled out his own gun and fired at Eduardo, hitting him twice. Unfortunately, Eduardo managed to fire his own gun multiple times, hitting Chilino twice in the lungs, as well as hitting Nacho in the lower back. So again, Nacho was Chilino's best friend, but he also played the accordion in the band. Now, Chilino was wounded, but he managed to keep shooting at Eduardo, so Eduardo ran into the audience, and the two of them continued shooting at each other. As they shot at each other, multiple people in the audience were hit. There was even one man who bled out and died on the way to the hospital. Now, the crowd was able to subdue Eduardo. Like, they actually physically took him down, and someone took his own gun from him and shot him with it. He didn't die, though. As it turns out, Eduardo had a history of alcohol and heroin abuse, and he was high and drunk during the incident. Chilino survived this, but he was left in critical condition and spent the next couple months on life support. The shooting made ABC World News Tonight as well as both English and Spanish language newspapers. Now, the man who was in the audience who was shot and killed, it's possible that it was actually Chilino's bullet that killed him. However, Chilino was not prosecuted because officials agreed that he had only been shooting in self-defense. Eduardo Gallegos would serve 15 years. And there's no explanation for a possible motive other than that Gallegos was just a pissed off fan, like when a drunk guy at the bar is yelling his request at the DJ. And oh my god, that's so frustrating, but sometimes like you can't fucking do anything because <laughs> they just don't listen. <laughs> so one time I was at karaoke and like, I'll say it again. It's karaoke. Like, it's not a DJ. And some guy kept saying, bitty, bitty, bum, bum. Bitty, bitty, bum, bum. He just kept shouting it like he wanted the KJ to just play the song. So I remember saying, like, I don't get it. Does he does he want to sing it? And this guy, like, eavesdropping comes up to me. He's like, no, I want I, it's so people will dance. And I'm just looking around like, I think this guy's confused about where we are. Anyway, the guy fucking did this all night until the KJ was just like, all right, everybody shut up for a minute. I'm just going to play bitty, bitty, bum, bum. <laughs> I can't even imagine what it's like to be on the stage like that and just have a fan yelling at you like that. Well, this whole incident kind of made Chilino more famous. I mean, he sang all these songs about being a tough guy and stuff and about other tough guys, but nobody really knew if he was really a tough guy or a gangster or an outlaw. And this incident was kind of what proved him a valiente. So his sales blew up and his audience was as engaged as ever. People wondered if some of the stories in his songs were real-life stories that had happened to him, so they were all listening more closely. He was given more opportunities to perform and was invited back to do a show in his hometown, Culiacan in Sinaloa. Chilino hadn't been back home since he left in the 70s, and his friends and family warned him that it was too dangerous to come back, presumably because of the dark past that he had left behind. But Chilino didn't listen. He firmly believed in fate and often said that only God decides when a person dies and if he were to die, it's just God's will. 
But interestingly, before he took his final trip to Sinaloa, he sold his collection of guns and all the rights to his music for $115,000, and he used the money for a down payment on a house for his wife and kids. On May 15, 1992, about four months after the Coachella incident, Chilino and his band performed a concert in Culiacan. Chilino wore his usual attire, a suit, a belt that matched his boots, a cowboy hat, and his loaded gun. The concert was seemingly going great. Chilino was escorted on stage by models that were wearing white, and the band was bumping. Their crowd pushed their way all the way forward until they were close enough to touch Chilino. At some point during the concert, the band started accepting song requests. Somebody in the crowd came over and handed Chilino a piece of paper. Chilino reads the note as the band begins to play their song, Alma Namorada. As he reads it, the smile on his face completely disappears. His entire demeanor changed. He takes seven seconds to read the note, and then he wipes sweat off his brow before he moves on with the show. Nacho said that Chilino didn't say a word to anyone, but it was clear that something was wrong. Nobody knows for sure what was on this note, but it's believed to have been a death threat. If you want to see the footage of this moment, I'm going to upload it to BrokenLimelight.com. So basically, he just takes the note and crumples it up and, like, continues singing the song. Some people believe that the note may have actually said something like, don't keep playing or don't play a particular song. Like, maybe there was a story in the song that they didn't want him to sing. But again, it's unknown what was on the note. All we know is that it looks like it scared the shit out of Chilino. After the concert, the whole band packed up and they headed home in their separate vehicles. Chilino decided to continue the party, and he left in a car with his two brothers, a cousin, and a couple of young women. They were going to go to an after party. Now, what happens this evening is unclear. Or at least it hasn't been officially confirmed. All we have is what all these people have said. Nacho says that Chilino and everyone in their car were on their way to an after party when they were ambushed by three cars in a roundabout. At least one of these cars was a suburban with government plates. Some uniformed men hopped out of the vehicles and flashed police badges. And it's unclear if these were actually police officers or people posing as police officers. But the line between police and the cartel can get pretty blurry because oftentimes actual police officers were on the cartel's payroll working as gunmen or bodyguards or something like that. So the men said that they were looking for Chilino under orders from their boss. They pulled Chilino's brother out of the car, possibly mistaking him for Chilino. And Chilino didn't want to risk his brother or anyone else getting hurt, so he offered money to the police officers, kind of kind of hoping this was a shakedown, but the man refused it. Chilino saw that there was no way out of the situation, so he told them, put him down, he's just a fan, I'm the real Chilino. And then he agreed to go with them. Reportedly, one of the police officers said something like, I'm just following orders. Like he, Like, it was clear he was actually a fan of Chilino's, and Chilino was just like, hey, I get it. You're doing your job. And he just went with the officers without a fight. They let his brother go and everyone got back into their car while Chilino got into the suburban with the officers. They drove away, leaving Chilino's friends and relatives in their car completely in shock with the realization that they were in cartel territory and they knew this wasn't going to end well. But all they could do was kind of wait, wait to hear word back. Unfortunately, around 6 in the morning the next day, two farmers found Chilino's body by an irrigation canal along the highway. He was blindfolded and bound, and he had been shot in the back of the head twice. He was just 31 years old. Immediately after his death, all the radio stations that had formerly shunned him were suddenly reporting on his death and playing his songs throughout the entire night. Nacho says that he personally never really looked into Chilino's death because 
like he's just a musician. He's not a cop or a gangster, and he didn't really have any power to do anything. To this day, the police refuse to release the file on Cholino's cold case. They say that it's to protect the investigation, so it will remain confidential for at least five more years. But that didn't stop people from coming up with their own conclusions. A lot of rumors were spread. Some were saying that Cholino had faked his death to run for his life, or was hiding from the government, or was secretly working as a hitman. For a long time, it appeared that the Mexican government was doing nothing to investigate Cholino's murder, which led to a lot of speculation that the government was somehow involved. The state of Sinaloa is dominated by the cartel and has been since about the 80s, and it's theorized that cartels may have paid the government to look the other way. Decades would pass before there's any break in this case. The police's failure to investigate Chilino's death had driven a lot of fans to look into it themselves. One fan named Eric Galindo has been a fan of Chilino since childhood, and he created his own podcast where he investigates the murder, and he even did his own personal interviews with people like Nacho Hernandez. And I highly recommend his podcast if you want to deep dive Chilino's case further. The podcast is called Idolo, I-D-O-L-O, The Ballad of Chilino Sanchez. Now, remember, Nacho Hernandez was Chilino's bandmate and best friend, so he was there throughout Chilino's rise to fame, and he was there when he was shot, and he even took a bullet himself in Coachella, and he saw Chilino's dead body after he was found in Culiacan. So Eric interviewed Nacho, and he asked him about a rumor about a hitman he had heard of named Rene Escobar. So this rumor says that a few weeks before Chilino's final show, Rene Escobar tried to kill him. If this is true, it could explain why Chilino's friends and family were so worried about him coming back to perform in Sinaloa. So here's what's strange. Right around the time Chilino accepted the deal to play in Sinaloa, Rene was shot and killed. The cartel believed that Chilino heard about the hit on him and he went and killed Rene first. But according to Nacho, Chilino actually had nothing to do with Rene's death and he couldn't understand why the cartel thought that he did. But he speculated that maybe he didn't and the cartel knew that, but they were mad at Chilino for something else. Like Chilino pissed off the cartel in some other way and they were using this Rene story as an excuse to seek revenge and kill him. Now, in Eric's investigation, he struggled to find any real confirmation of these tales. So far, that's all they were, were tales. But he eventually came across the name of a high-ranking cartel member named Baldemar Escobar, who was believed to be the brother of Rene. According to Eric's theory, Baldemar may have killed Chilino to avenge his brother's death. And Eric tried to interview Baldemar, but he couldn't physically track him down. And then he got the chance to interview another high-ranking narco who insisted on remaining anonymous. He agreed to the interview as long as Eric only asked yes or no questions. So Eric asked him if Baldemar was related to Rene, and the response was yes. Eric then asked, did Baldemar kill Chilino? The reply was yes. Eric was shocked. He's, he's like, did I just fucking solve this case? But right before hanging up the call, the narco started to backtrack, saying, this is just what I heard. I wasn't actually there. And then he dropped the call. With all that said, we still don't know if this man was telling the truth or he's just some guy telling tall tales. Today, nearly 30 years later, the case is still unsolved. A pair of journalists actually teamed up and requested for the records in the case to be declassified. The state of Sinaloa's attorney general office responded that their request could not be completed, however, the case is still being investigated today. The Attorney General's office claimed that releasing the file would reveal the investigative strategy and methods being used to find the killer. They're pushing to keep the records classified for another five years. Chilino's family had a complex relationship with his legacy. 
As Chilino's fame rose, the royalties became millions of dollars, but Maricela and the family never saw a penny. Because remember, he sold all the rights in order to pay for the house. So the record label, all they did was give Maricela gold copies of Chilino's records, but she also had to fight to get those. And in fact, the house that they had put a down payment on, it had only been like half paid for by the time that Chilino died. So fortunately, their landlord was a fan of Chilino and he ended up just giving Maricela the rest of the deed. Like he gave her the rest of the house that was unpaid for. Their son, his name is Adan Sanchez. He followed in his father's footsteps and was also a successful regional Mexican singer. Maricela was adamant that he only emulate the positive aspects of his father's legacy. She managed his career and she encouraged him to sing folk music, but she started to refer to narco corridos as dirty corridos, and she even goes as far as to call them harmful to young people. In 2004, Chilino's son Adan passed away suddenly due to injuries sustained in a car accident at the age of 19 while touring in Mexico. Some people have theorized that this was also like to get revenge on Chilino and his family, but from what I can find, there's nothing that suggests foul play. It appears to just be a car accident. In an interview, Maricela said, They expected to see a mother falling apart, full of tears, but I was outside consoling the girls who had no idea it was me. As a family, we've always carried ourselves that way. We endured hunger, cold, and humiliations, but we always were strong in front of people. Chilino's legacy has helped a lot of Mexicans to embrace their culture, and it lives on today. His song, Nieves de Enero, has been streamed over 135 million times on Spotify. And that's the story of Chilino Sanchez. Maybe one day we'll get more answers to that. One of the things that's interesting is that his buddy Nacho always said, you can't be a valiente and a musician. Chilino had enemies, and he couldn't hide from those enemies because he was constantly announcing where he was on tour, where he was performing, and he, it made him an easy target. And unfortunately, I think Nacho couldn't have been more correct about that. Thanks again for listening to Broken Limelight. Don't forget to go to brokenlimelight.com and take a look at that video clip I told you about. I'll see if I can put some more music videos of his on there and uh, maybe some news articles, some of the interviews I found. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends about it. And you know what? Also, you can leave an Apple review and kind of share your thoughts about what you like about this. Follow us on all the social medias. You can find us on Facebook under Broken Limelight. You can follow me on Instagram under I'm Dee Dee West. And you can find me on TikTok under Dee Dee West LV. If you ever want to reach out to me or leave a comment, you can do that on BrokenLimelight.com under Contact Us. And there's actually a little a little form where you can leave a comment there or like you can also just email me at ddwest at brokenlimelight.com i'm fine with that too thank you guys again for your patience and sticking it out with me i love you i love you okay bye know my dogs jude and eleanor rigby well we just started getting in bark box and i'm telling you your dogs will love you no more are they angry at the mailman no more i say it's like a box of dog joy that's delivered every month and each box tells a different story with different themed toys treats and photo worthy props typically what we get in each box is a couple of toys a couple of treats and a chew but you can actually tailor fit your box to fit your dog's needs guys i'm telling you your dogs will love you 
even more than they already do. So try it out, and if you use my link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox, which is a $35 value. So just head to BarkBox.com slash Broken Limelight and get started on your first BarkBox today. BarkBox! 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 Nailed it, Jude.